And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Again, I thank you for the truthfulness of your word. I thank you that, that, um, that, you, that you gave your word to us and that we can trust it. That even if things uh, that our world has discovered or haven't discovered tend to say, no, that's not how it happened, we know that your word is true. We know that it presents facts. We know that it can be trusted. Why? Because it's your word and you're a God. And so, God, we thank you for that and we praise you for that. And, God, we thank you for this, this beginning, this birth of your son, Jesus Christ, who became the Savior by dying on the cross. Father, we thank you for all of that. In Jesus' name, amen. In those days, it came to pass in those days. You know, it's interesting about those days. Because actually nobody knows exactly when were those days. <laughs> I mean, you think about this uh, calendar that we live under, uh, and we live in what is called A.D., or some people have changed it now, Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord, you know? Um, and, uh, and yet, yet, what they've discovered is that you know, you would think that, that if, we, if it's in the year of our Lord, that it would be dated. The zero would be when Jesus was born. And then when he was one, that would be A.D. 1. When he was two, that would be A.D. 2. That's not what happened. Somebody messed up. I'm sure glad it wasn't me. I, I you know, uh, and so he was probably, Jesus was probably born sometime around A.D. 3. Maybe even later than that. We don't know exactly. But it was about that time in the time, around the time of Jesus' birth, between the time of John's birth and Jesus' birth, that this decree went forth from Caesar Augustus. Now, uh, Caesar Augustus was born Gaius Octavius. Um, he became uh, uh, Caesar Augustus because the Roman Senate gave him that name, Augustus, which means august, honored. We get our name for our month August from that, okay? Um, and... Uh, what we see here in this part particularly is, um, is that by mentioning all of the surround, I mean, one of the things Luke is trying to do is trying to skip set the setting. When was all this going on? When was this happening? The people that read it in those times would have a pretty good picture of this. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Or, oh, yeah, my parents told me about that. Or, oh, yeah, my grandparents told me about that. My grandparents were alive when that happened, you know? Um, and so he's trying to set the historical scene, and by doing so, um, he has shown from all of this that what's happening is not just for the Jews, okay? In other words, it's not, it's not just a salvation and a, and a little Jewish baby born just for the Jews. This baby that was born was born for the world. Now, some people would say, 
and and uh, I'm just gonna. It indicated that salvation history was both particular or Jewish and universal in its implication. Now I want to make sure you understand something when I read that quote to you. Salvation is not universal. All right, because if salvation was universal, everybody that's born from the time of the beginning until the time of the coming of Christ, everybody would be saved. So I'm not a universalist in that way. What I'm saying when I read that to you is that it is for everybody. It is possible for everybody. All right. So salvation is not just for the Jews. It's for everybody else. Everybody who believes in Christ, everybody who trusts in Christ, everybody who receives Christ as their savior, repents of their sin and comes to God through Jesus Christ, the son. That's the way that it's universalist, okay? But I want you to understand, not everybody's going to do that. Um, I mean, you know somebody, probably, that doesn't believe Jesus is the Son of God. You know? You think about it. The uh, Lots of religions don't believe Jesus is the Son of God. I mean, even, even Jews don't believe it. And he was born of the Jews. You think about... Um, uh, Muslims, they don't believe it. Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They don't believe that he was God. That's why they don't celebrate Christmas. What a sad thing. Uh, and so, uh, even though it's universal in its implications that everybody could be saved, not everybody will be saved because not everybody's going to trust in Jesus Christ. So, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that all the world should be registered. And this took first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. Now, there's some interesting things about all of this. First of all, they, they don't have any extra biblical reference to this universal census of the Roman world. Now, this is the one we have. And right now, they haven't found any other, um, any other proof of this anywhere else. I still believe it. I still believe it. I believe it happened. They don't have any proof of it. They can't find out exactly when it did happen or any of that kind of stuff. But this decree was issued. It did happen. And all of the Jews particularly and everybody in the Roman world had to go to where they were born to be registered. Now, can you think of the chaos that would, hap- that would cause? Have you ever stood in line at a registration table? I mean, if you've gone to college, sometimes you've got to stand in line at a registration table. Um, it's bad enough standing in line um, to get your breakfast or lunch at school sometimes. But if you have gone back to your hometown, which for Joseph would be Bethlehem, and I've mentioned this before, Bethlehem, city of bread, Jesus Christ, the bread of life. So it's interesting. You put those connections together. But if you are like Joseph, and by the way, there was no room in the inn. I don't know. Maybe that's where they were doing the registration. Who knows? Nobody knows why. We maligned the, the, the innkeeper, but nobody knows why there was no room in the inn. But if I'm going to my hometown, guess what? Everybody else is going to my, to my hometown, too, that's from there. And that city's going to swell. There's going to be thousands of people in that little village. It's going to be crowded. And so this registration is going to be chaotic. We don't know how many tables they had set up or how many places they were registering, but they had to go back there to register. It was going to be a mess. It was a, and so Caesar Augustus issued this decree that everybody had to go back to their home tax hometown to be registered and it says this census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria now and they think that maybe (laughs) all kinds of theories about how this all happened and 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 what happened here um, that that it was the first one or that it first took place or that it was the first part of it so they don't know exactly what all of that meant 
but there was a registration that took place. Some of the things we understand about this is when they did this, the women didn't have to go. This wasn't a registration for um, the military because the Jews were exempt, okay? And the women didn't have to go with them. The men could have gone alone, left the women at home and the children if they'd have wanted to. That's interesting uh, in that when we see the fact that Mary went with Joseph. Now, um, we don't know why Mary went with Joseph. Uh, you know, if she was great with child, it'd be easier to stay home. We're going to talk a little bit about that in a little bit. But, um, uh, but so this was the first instance that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And so all went to be registered, everyone to his own, own city. Um, you know, in Genesis chapter 49, verse 10, while I believe it's Jacob is giving his 12 sons their, his final words and telling them all their blessings and all their cursings, he says to one of them, he says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh shall come. Well, what we want to see here and understand is the scepter had departed from Judah in a very real way. Because what it means is that the king was um, the one that had the scepter, and the king would be the one that would rule. And before this time, there were kings that were Jewish that were ruling over Judah. Well, guess what? There weren't Jewish kings ruling over Judah. All right? Judah, Jerusalem, all of uh, Israel was under Roman rule. It was not being ruled by a Jewish king. And the one who sat there um, on the throne that, you know, claimed to be king was Herod the Great. And he was a usurper. Uh, he was... Um, uh, an Edumean or Idumean prince. He, he didn't know much about the Jewish Bible anyway, about the Jewish Torah anyway, um, and wasn't even really a believer in Jesus or in what they taught. Um, so the promised land was under the, under the power and under the rule of the Romans. And the Romans are the ones that put Herod the Great in place. All right? And so they were not be being ruled by this, but this prophecy in Genesis 49.10 was about to be fulfilled. It was about to be fulfilled in the birth of Jesus. Jesus then would be this scepter, this Shiloh that was to come, this Messiah that was to come. And, um, and he would then put, um, and, and you remember what was said, um, that he would be this ruler. And you can read the, the, the prophecies that were told of him um, to Mary. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Uh, that's in 1 uh, verse 33. And so um, we see that this prophecy was now being fulfilled. This prophecy in Genesis 49.10 was now being fulfilled, and this prophecy by this angel was now being fulfilled in the birth of Jesus. And so um, uh, they came to, to Bethlehem. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David. I think that's interesting. It tells us, uh, you know, anybody ever used your map, Siri or whatever, on your when you're driving? Anybody ever use that? This thing's telling you exactly where to go. In three quarters of a mile, make a left-hand turn on such and such a street. And I'm going, shut up. Show me the map. I want to see it. But that's kind of what we see here, right? Kind of what we see here is, if I can just do this, Joseph also went up from Galilee 
out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, to the city of David. I mean, it's just every step of the journey they're telling on him, okay? And it says, he left where he was from Nazareth, which is in Galilee, to go up to Bethlehem, which is in Judea, which is also called the city of David, with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. Every step of the journey here it tells us. And I think it's, it's interesting, and I think it's important that we understand that. He, they were in Nazareth, where they lived. And it's possible that Mary and Joseph just expected for Jesus to be born there, for him to be born in Nazareth. Well, I, I, I also think it's interesting that God didn't. That wasn't what God had planned. God had prophesied, Micah 5, 2, And out of you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, shall come one who shall rule his people. And I, 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 I think I even checked that. I'm going to read that whole thing. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel. I love this last part. Whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. There's nobody that that could apply to. Nobody that was ever born that that text could apply to except Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is eternal, eternally existent like God the Father. There's never a time that the Son did not exist. S-O-N, capital S-O-N, did not exist. Never a time that he did not exist. There was a time he did not exist in the flesh. And the word of God in John tells us, and he became flesh. The word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. But there's never a time that he did not exist. He was from of old, from everlasting. And Micah tells us that he had to be born in Bethlehem. And so, God saw to it. And I, I don't think God is manipulative, okay? But I think he planned all of that. He designed all of that. And he made sure all of that happened. If, if <laughs> okay, I'm male. I can't get pregnant. And if any of you men were hoping you could, give it up. It's not happening, okay? Biology, it doesn't work that way. Okay, and anybody out in the world that believes it does, they're wrong. Okay, God didn't make it happen like that. Okay, so I've never been pregnant. I don't ever want to be pregnant. I don't ever want to feel the pain of pregnancy or any pain that matches the pain of giving birth. But if I were her, I wouldn't have want to make that trip. I would have. It's like eighty miles, maybe close to ninety miles. And I'm thinking on a donkey in a caravan. However, it was. I'm not going. Joseph, you go by yourself. Um, now, we don't know why it happened. I mean, I can look at three possibilities on why Mary went. She didn't have to go. I, I think three possibilities, okay? One, she really, really, really wanted to be with her betrothed. I can think maybe Joseph's going, Mary, you need to stay here. You're going to be better off staying home. And Mary's going, I'm going with you. And Joseph's going, Happy wife, happy life. Or maybe Joseph really wanted her to go. And finally he was able to convince her. Okay, and, and, and I don't know. Or maybe, maybe they both wanted her to go. That's the best way, right? That works pretty well, okay? But whatever it was, God worked in their hearts that Mary would go with Joseph to Bethlehem to be registered. Now, I want to change something in there, okay? You know why Mary really went with Joseph to Bethlehem? Yeah, so Jesus Christ could be born in Bethlehem like the prophecy said. That's why. And God made all that happen. 
I don't know whose mind said, let's not go or let's go or whatever, but I do know that God said, go to Bethlehem. And Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem so that Jesus Christ could be born in Bethlehem like the prophets had said. Now, I don't know about you, but some people think that when Jesus became, um, <laughs> that's one prophecy that Jesus had no way to manipulate. Okay? Some people think that after Jesus began to preach, he did certain things in order that the prophets, prophecies would be fulfilled. Okay? So Jesus heard about the prophecy of, of, him, uh, of the Messiah going into Jerusalem on a donkey. So he said, hey, we've got to make this happen. Okay? Now, I mean, he was God. You know? But as a little baby in Mary's womb, there's no way he could make this happen. But God did. God made it happen. There are other things that as a baby born, guess what? He couldn't make those happen. But God did. He made it happen. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And because all those prophecies had to be fulfilled. And so they went to Nazareth or to Bethlehem. Because David, Joseph was of the house and lineage of David. They went to be registered. Maybe to be taxed. Went to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife. And I've already talked about that kind of. Why did she go? We don't know. Other than the fact that God made it happen. Pledged to be married to him. Betrothed to him. Now, we got to see something else in this one here, okay? Because when you see this word betrothed, in other words, the marriage had not yet been consummated. All right? All right, and you remember what happened. It says, and he kept her a virgin until after the Christ was born. Remember that? And so even at this point, she was still a virgin. There's no doubt about the fact that Jesus Christ was, was conceived immaculately through the Holy Spirit. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. Now, some of them read who was great with child. And some say because she was with child. Now, that word because doesn't really fit in there. It's not important in that part, okay? Because they didn't go there because she was with child. They went even though she was, all right? And we don't know how far along she was. We know she's probably over six months along, maybe more than that. And the reason I bring that up is because we don't know how long they stayed there. If there's chaos, and I think there would have been somewhat, a crazy, cr no room in the inn, so the city was crowded, the village was crowded, and they all had to register. Do you take a number like you do at the driver's license station, you know, and sit down? I've always made it in and out of there really fast, but some people say it takes them hours, you know? I mean, you think about how much trouble that would have been. So we don't know how long they were there, but the Bible tells us here that what, so it was that while they were there, the days were concluded for her to be delivered. Nine months was about done. Nine months was there, time for the baby to be born. We see that kind of phrase all over the scriptures. And, and this word, for her days to be completed, just quite simply means it's time for the baby to be born. And here's what she did. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. I want you to notice something because this is important too. She brought forth her firstborn son. Now that 
that, and, and I, I read that, and I'm going, wow, that tells me that, that after him there were others. Well, that's really, sorry, not what it says. <laughs> don't hate me. <laughs> I mean, just like me a little bit if you want to, but don't hate me. I thought that's what it meant too. That's not proof of that. There is proof that there are others because guess what? They're mentioned in the Gospels. Brothers and sisters, they are mentioned. But this word is important for a couple of reasons. One, it proves that she was a virgin. If he was the second born son, guess what? Oh, that's different. Okay? So it proves that she was a virgin. It also proves, guess what? That he was born of immaculate conception. That God's the one that caused it, not a man. Okay? And so that's why that word is important, all right? There's a, another word that's used for um, only, and that's the word monogenes or genes. Monogenics, all right? First, only, 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 only of your genes, whatever. So if he was the only one, then that would be different. Firstborn's important. There's also another reason why that's important, because in Exodus and Deuteronomy, Exodus 13, 12, 2, consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the room among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. And so Jesus Christ was consecrated, was dedicated to God because he was the firstborn. Or he was the firstborn because of that. And in fact, if you look over uh, on mine, it's just across the page, in chapter 2, verse 23, uh, it says, As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the room shall be called holy to the Lord. So they had gone and presented Jesus to the temple. Why? Because he was holy to the Lord. So we see uh, both of those reasons why this word is important why Luke did not choose monogenes, okay? Why he chose this word, and this is the word uh, prototakos, proto, first, all right? Takos is a word that means um, to be born, all right? And so we see that that's important. And then she wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and she laid him in a manger because there was no room for him, for them in the inn. Now, I, that's interesting to me. We've maligned that poor innkeeper, We've given him a bad name. <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, when you grow up as a child, you hear that story, you think about, well, that, that innkeeper's a bad guy. He was mean. All he wanted was a bunch of money. He wasn't, you know. But it just means there wasn't a suitable place for Mary to give birth. It doesn't really imply that the innkeeper rejected him or that he was money hungry or anything like that. I wonder, and, and I, I ask my question, the, the question, why was there no room for them in the end? Well, partly because it was so crowded, and Joseph forgot to call ahead. I mean, you know, right? You know, that's why when we go somewhere, Kathy makes the reservations. We don't know. But I look at all of this, and I wonder, And I know the answer. I asked the question, did people not recognize the significance of this birth? And the answer to that is they did not. They didn't realize that this one that was born, I mean, can you imagine? Here you are going to Bethlehem to register. And you're there and you see family members and friends. And you're all focused on all of that. And the one thing you miss is the most important event in history up to that time. I mean, we can't blame them. We miss a lot of stuff, too. There are a lot of people today that are missing Christmas. A lot of people that don't have room 
for Jesus Christ. There's a lot of people that don't recognize him as the firstborn son of Mary, as the only begotten son of the Father, as the Messiah, as the one who was born to die so that we could live. And it's sad. It's sad because some of them look respectable, and they are. They wear their suits and their ties. They dress nice. Their hair is cut short. Nothing wrong with long hair. But they look like they've got it all figured out, but yet they don't trust in Jesus Christ. And they need to know. They need to hear. This Jesus that was born died for the world. He did it because he loved us. And the question is, two questions, do we love him? And do we love the people of this world like he did? I challenge you again in the next few in the next week to invite your friends to come to the Christmas Eve service and to the Christmas morning service. There are many who will go, oh, it's Christmas. I'm not going to church. I'm going to celebrate celebrate Christmas by staying at home and opening my presents. And yet they're missing Christmas by doing that. By not really celebrating and worshiping the one who came as Messiah. We're going to have a timid decision and, you know, I don't know how God might be speaking to you. It's not my job to be God and to speak to you. It's my job to bring to you the word of God and to let God do the rest. And you know what? I think that's pretty cool because I'm not big enough to do the rest. I'm not smart enough or strong enough or anything else enough to do the rest. This is what I can do. And let God do the speaking to you. So we're going to have a hymn of decision. And if God's speaking to you for whatever reason it might be, you can come and I'll share it with me and I'll pray with you. You can come pray here at the altar if that's what you need to do. Might be that you that you need to trust Christ as your Savior. Might be that God is telling you it's time to become a member of Urban Avenue Baptist Church. I don't know what he's telling you. But whatever it is, when we stand to sing, don't wait, don't hesitate. Let's come. Let's pray. Father, I thank you again for your word. I thank you for the fact that your word is truth because it's your word. And I thank you for the truth of the birth and of the life and of the crucifixion and resurrection and imminent return of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, help us to love you and him like you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.